Welcome to the Yours in Marketing podcast. On this episode, I speak with Power Connector and founder at NHP Talent Group, Adam Posner. On this episode today, speaking with Adam, we talk about his time with VaynerMedia and really what kind of a person Gary Vaynerchuk was to him and, and how it was to work with him. Really interesting stuff there. And also talk about podcasting. He's a fellow podcaster. So we talk about how to host a podcast, how to start a podcast, if you even should. And if so, why you should start a podcast. What are the benefits? How can that help your bottom line? How can it help your personal brand? And then the flip side of that, who shouldn't start a podcast? Maybe some of you are contemplating that and maybe you shouldn't start a podcast and this can kind of help you lean to one direction. We also talk about his experience as the founder and managing director of NHP Talent Group, which is where he currently is as the founder, and why he loves connecting people and employers. And we talk about that passion. What you're going to get out of this episode, if you listen all the way to the end, is how to start a podcast, why or why not to start a podcast, the logistics behind that, how to increase your bottom line with it. Also, some really interesting information about Gary Vaynerchuk and what it's like to work with him. And then finally, the power of connecting people and companies together and what makes a great candidate stand out over a mediocre candidate and vice versa. What makes companies stand out to candidates over a mediocre company? So please, without further ado, let's introduce Adam Posner. Please take a listen all the way to the end. I think you're really going to like this one. So Adam, how's it going today? How are you feeling? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. So we got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. But first and foremost, I want to get started on something that for me is really interesting as somebody that I follow a lot of different thought leaders on social media. Obviously, you can't really be on Instagram or LinkedIn without knowing Gary Vaynerchuk. So you actually had the (laughs) you had the opportunity of working at VaynerMedia in New York. And I want to extract some of the tidbits of knowledge that you accrued there and dive into a little bit of your experience. Absolutely. And, and just to bring your audience up to speed, I do this real quick all the time. My career story, born and raised New Yorker, 15 years working in advertising and marketing. About four years ago, I was lucky enough to land an awesome job over at VaynerMedia. I was group director managing a couple of lines of business. I had the opportunity to work closely with Gary on a couple of things and really observe the man in action. But it's not just about Gary there. It's a fantastic other team as well. And long story short, I did not bring my A-game, dude. I had some personal things going on. I had some other stuff and I lost my job. I got let go from Vayner and it was a real critical moment for me because I had to really look deep down inside and say, hey, is this what I want to be doing with my life moving forward? The answer was no. And I pivoted into recruiting. But the real cool piece about it was that day when I got fired, it was Blake, it was one of the worst days of my life. And I sat there with, with my head in my hands, you know, at the verge of tears and Gary comes into the room and we had about an hour long discussion about life, about, you know, what's important in life and what you want to be doing and being focused. And Blake, he said the single most important piece of advice to me that I've ever received. And I put into action. He said, Adam, you need to stop focusing on the things that you suck at and double down on your strengths. And I let that sink in for a minute. And Gary's like, well, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about doing? And I said, listen, I failed. I don't know if this is what I want to be doing. I don't feel in my heart anymore. And, you know, I've been thinking about recruiting. I have some friends that do recruiting. And that was it. Gary's eyes lit up. He's like, dude, you'd be awesome at recruiting. You were born for it. Go fucking do it. I don't know if I could curse on your show or not, but (laughs) we'll we'll bleep it out. (laughs) He's like, he's like, go effing do it, man. He's like, go, go do it. And with Gary's blessing, I pivoted into the world of recruiting and haven't looked back, man. 
That's fantastic. And I definitely want to get into that recruiting a little bit later. But sticking with us a little bit is is his persona the same in person as it comes across in social media? Yes. Gary is the real deal. He says what he means and he means what he says. When you become that big, you're going to have a lot of haters. You get a lot of a lot of people trash talking and saying that you're all talk. But he is the most genuine, real dude I've ever met. He's not, you know, he doesn't come from the traditional agency world. He built it himself. He built his own brand. And it's a different approach to this modern age of marketing. And he's the real deal. I mean, he he's, you know, someone I stay in touch with now to this day from close, from afar. You know, I have a couple of opportunities a year to touch base with him. And it's those moments in time that I hold dearest and closest to me. What's the company culture over there? And like, what did you find difficult working at VaynerMedia? That's a fantastic question. And and let's caveat that with saying it's been over four years since I've been there. So a lot has sure. changed. So when I was there, it was still early on. I was employee. I was in the low 300s from the employee count. So I was still early on. I think they're way over a thousand at this point, just to give your audience some perspective. And culture was interesting. I equate it to working inside of a beehive. Literally, it was a swarm of activity and action. It was at times, unorganized chaos, sometimes organized chaos. And I think that's kind of really what was part of the magic sauce there with the clients we're looking for. They were looking for something non-traditional. They were looking for energy and creative ideas that came from different sources. And I think with the speed of social media, that's where Vayner excelled and exceeded at because it didn't have process paralysis like other ad agencies. In social media, you can get a post out in five seconds. you got to be able to respond to what's happening immediately and not wait a week for something to get approved They go through the process and edits and revisions. And I think that led to the culture as well. And a very important point also, at that time at Vayner, the culture was evolving. It was very built around Gary. And I think now, I mean, I'm not there anymore, but I think the culture has really evolved into being about the agency and not just being so Gary-centric. That's crucial. Obviously, as you scale, it can't be all about no. one person. That's, that's going to fail no matter who you are. So working there... Did you find any inspiration of how you wanted to do things if you were to go on your own, for example? Like you saw what Gary would do, what, what other people would do maybe there in terms of social media, building a personal brand. Was that something that stuck with you that you still do? Spot on, Blake. Spot on, Blake. And, and we'll get to the personal branding in a minute. But everything that I'm doing now is predicated on my past experience being a social media digital marketing practitioner. I understand the the technical side of building a brand. I understand the back end of it, you know, the, how to drive the performance marketing piece, the SEO, how to build the video pieces as well. But something else more importantly I learned is about delegating and finding the right resources. So for me, you know, I, I'm a consultant. I do contingency and contract recruitment. So my time is valuable. There's a dollar amount on it. So for me, it's about finding resources for video production, for audio production that I could spend a little bit of money here and then use my time to make more money in another client or another step. Let's transition into the podcast then, because that is a part of the 100%. brand. So how'd you get started podcasting? How did you make that decision? Like, I need to start a podcast because here's the opportunity. What was that moment for you decided that? You know, it was a couple of things. One, I needed to build my personal, and I, and I think there's a blend between your personal brand and your professional brand. And I think there's a gray area. There's certain things that I keep off limits. I have a private Instagram, my, my private Facebook. I try not to mix the two. For me, as someone who understands business, it's about attention, it's about eyeballs, and it's about exposure. And for me, the goal of the podcast, as I call it, and it's kind of a play on my nickname. My name is Adam Posner, Back a while when I was growing up, some people mispronounced it as Posner, and it kind of was a play on words where some people would call me the Pos, and that was kind of the impetus for calling it the Poscast. A little bit of background there. You know, the goal of the Poscast is really 
I want to give back and I want to give back all of my experience to two different audiences. One, to those in the job search. I've had a ton of jobs. I've been through a ton of interview processes. And now on the other side, I see how it works. And I, I could really give that full 360 approach. And on the flip side, I want to speak to potential clients. I want to showcase my expertise, my breadth, my network as well, who I'm reaching out to. And I think that's critical as well. But the ultimate goal of the podcast is really to tap into one of my core strengths, which is my tenacity. My tenacity has driven me through my career. My tenacity is what drives me in business. And that's something that I want to help other people harness. So the goal of the podcast is to really help people harness their inner tenacity to drive their career forward. At what point does tenacity become uh, kind of detrimental, though? Like there are two sides of, of one coin, right? Oh, hundred percent. Tenacity, where it's like the drive to do whatever you're you need to do to get to where you want to be. But then there can also be that negative side of it. So could you speak that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes down to putting the self awareness governor in place, Blake. I think it's about understanding who you are, what your limits are, and and more importantly, knowing your audience, understanding who you're talking to, and being able to temper that tenacity to a certain point where. You're being, I call it my three P's, polite, patient, persistence. And those are the three keys of my tenacity. And all those lever up and down depending on my goal and my audience. Let's slip back to the, the podcast a little bit. So how do you host your podcast? How did you start it? If somebody was listening to this right now and is like, wow, I think I want to start a podcast. I've been thinking about it for a while. How would you recommend going about hosting it and yeah. starting it up? I'll kind of throw it all in there. So it really started with, you know, listening to a lot of podcasts. There's there's a few that I like and there's a few where I I listen to them and I'm like, well, they're either super entertaining. You take like a Joe Rogan or something or you take like a a Tim Ferriss or something where there's a balance between entertaining and adding value. And that was ultimately my goal. You know, as a born and raised New Yorker, I grew up listening to Howard Stern. And for me, there's two amazing things about Howard Stern, whether you love him or hate him. Right. Number one, he is sure. probably the best interviewer in the history of the world. There's no one better at interviewing people than Howard Stern, in my opinion. Second piece is that he's entertaining. So he keeps your attention and he engages the guests. And I think that's what's critical. And that's really kind of how I try to model my approach to interviewing, where it's a conversation, but I'm also hitting on the questions. I want to hit my agenda. I also want to make sure that I'm hitting on the guest points as well. They're coming on their show, on my show or your show, because we want to promote something. We want to promote ourselves. We want to promote our product. So the way the podcast, the podcast started with, was a beta test where I recorded a networking call. I was using Zoom, and I recorded a networking call with a with a real awesome up and coming influencer named Q, based out of out of Milwaukee. He's doing some great stuff with a company called Quentin Alums. By yes, the way, yes, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we connected a couple of times, and I'm like, dude, let's just freaking do it. Let's have our first ever. We, we talked on on the computer a bunch, but I'm like, let's just record it and let's see what happens. And it was awesome, and I recorded it. And it kind of turned into an origin story back and forth, but then it started to evolve into talking shop, talking business. And I recorded it and I played it back and I'm like, you know what? That's not bad. And I said, you know what? Screw it. Let's just do it. Let's just do the podcast. Let's just put this together. And I made that into episode one and it's pretty raw dog. And the first episode is just us having a chat. And then I started to do some outreach and some networking saying, who do I want to have on my podcast? And what's the story I wanted to tell? I want to tell. So The idea is to bring in experts at that 30,000 foot view to talk about cultural transformation, diversity, inclusion, the nuts and bolts of recruiting, all the way into bringing into recruiters, career coaches to give that actionable, tangible advice. I'm giving a 360. Now, as the podcast evolved, it went from me doing a little bit of prep and I I didn't love the way the first few episodes were going. I knew I could do better. Mm -hmm. 
So I engaged with a media coach, someone who's a, a good friend of mine, and I worked with her for a couple of sessions to really work on my format, my approach, my questioning. And then from episode five on to where we are now, complete game changer. The cadence, the speed, the preparation that I go into it. You know, I put together a well-produced beginning and end. I experimented with some video. And now it's at a point now where I'm booked till episode 25. Episode eight dropped today. And I love it, but it's a lot of work, Blake. Yeah, definitely. I can attest to that. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's legwork. It's um, preparation. It's scheduling. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, for efficiency, I book three in a row. And all of a sudden I look at my calendar. I'm like, damn, I just blocked out my entire morning and I, I can't get other work done. So I have to shift my priorities and my scheduling. Yeah, that that could be tough. Now, in terms of actual, like when, you, when you're getting on, asking questions, interviewing people, what's a unique question you like to ask your guests? Yeah. And I'll ask you, man, Blake, I have two questions to ask. One, I'll ask you, Blake, what is your superpower? I'm not asking if you had a superpower. I don't, you know, I'm sure you yeah. want to be invisible or fly or not, but, but yeah. Blake, what, what is your superpower? Yeah. For me, I think it's the ability to be positive even when everything else is crumbling down around me. <laughs> so su supreme optimism. You're, so yeah. you, your superpower is supreme optimism, man. I love it. I would say so. <laughs> and, what, and what about you? What, hold on. What, what, you're not getting off the hook here. No. What, what's, what's your superpower? My superpower is I am a power connector. I see opportunities that other people do not or may not, and I connect the dots. And it could be two completely different things that you would never think or two people you would never suspect that could have synergy. But for some reason, I have the, the optics and the foresight to say, you know what? These two people should connect or this person should connect with that opportunity or this biz dev opportunity, even though it's not for me. And I don't care sometimes if I make a single penny on something because I, I really truly believe in, in karma and doing the right thing all the time because it'll come back to you in spades. And you mentioned you had another question, so. Yeah, and, and, this one, and this one really hits home for me. When you're at your highest, when you're at your lowest, what do you look towards for gratitude? What do you look towards to pull you up? What is your North Star? It's really easy when you're at your highest to find gratitude, right? Right. But that's, that's not when it's as, as valuable. No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the easy one. Like when you're having like a real awful day or just things in business yeah. aren't going well, or maybe something in your personal life or relationships isn't going right, like, what do you look at to say, you know what, that North Star is always there. It's always in the same spot. It's always inspiring me and pulling me up and, and getting me to the right place, getting me even keeled and getting Blake back up to that super optimistic superpower. What is that? I have a 14-month-old daughter, so that's that's an easy one. I can always think at the very worst, I'll go home and be able to put out some toys and play with her for a while. Yeah, man. But then, uh, you know, like that's obviously a huge one. Uh, and I think a lot of people will relate to that that have families. It's the family is the number one. But then in terms of if I'm looking for a North Star in my career, it's all about I just love the process of it all. And the fact that I get to do something that I believe provides value and that I like doing, even when it sucks sometimes, just because you're doing something that you that you're passionate about doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to suck sometimes or even every day at some point. But the fact that I get to do it where so many people don't, even though I'm not a billionaire, even though it's not all figured out, you know, the fact that I get to be in that process to me is a blessing and I can always count on that and it'll, it'll have its highs and it'll have its lows, but ultimately it'll even out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and mine mirrors yours as well. Again, you know, for me, it's my family. I have a seven-year-old daughter. I have a, a nine-month-old son. And for me, it's always about them being that shining light. It's the reason I do everything. It's the impetus. It's the drive. And the professional side, for me, it's really about 
seeing how far I could go, what I could create. I love creating. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's, it's awesome. Like certain episodes of, of my podcast, sometimes it's terrible. You know, sometimes it's putting out a piece of content that I think will resonate well. This is the worst. When, like, when I have this idea in my head for like a LinkedIn post or some other Instagram thing, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's so creative. And then I put it out there and it gets like no love at all. And I'm not just being a, a like hound, right. but like I just see there's no love coming from it. I'm like, how, how come no one else finds this funny, right? And I think that's really what it's about. It's just a process for me. I completely agree with you, man. Yeah. Ultimately, you just have to know where you're going. And sometimes things are going to hit. Sometimes things you're going to miss. But if you keep going in the same direction, it'll all even out in the end. Just keep testing. Just keep testing. Absolutely. How has podcasting contributed to your own career and your own bottom line? Oh, man. I mean, I think it's about generating awareness. I think I forgot what the status. I think it's like 7,000 new podcasts a day. There's like almost a million out there right now. So it's tough because you need to generate the eyeballs. And for me, it's a balancing act because... (laughs) I want my podcast to appeal to a large audience, but I also want it to be the right audience. And that's why I feel focusing on the career journey applies to everybody. I think that everybody can relate to it. There's times when I have certain guests on that may get a little technical. We may get a little narrow. We may talk shop a little bit, but that's going to appeal to some of the recruiters and talent pros that are in my audience. And sometimes I'm going to talk a little bit broader. I'm going to talk about the mental health about, well, while you're in your job search, things that can apply to everybody or giving people best practices on networking and best practices, you know, really tactical on LinkedIn, you know, how to connect, how to, you know, engage with recruiters, you know, the right way. But the podcast brings awareness. The podcast brings eyeballs. It brings attention and it brings a feedback loop. That's really important as well. I think we're at a point now that it was like this with video a while back. It's still like this with video, but we're kind of at a point now where business owners, especially they're all saying, well, everybody else has a podcast. I better get a podcast, better start doing it. And so who should not have a podcast? If you do not have any value to add, do not start a podcast. If you want to talk just to hear the sound of your own voice and vanity, do not start a podcast. But if you have value to bring, if you have a message to share, if you have good to bring to the world to help people and you have the time and the resources, start a podcast. So for the person that wants to start their podcast, though, you host your podcast on Anchor. Is that right? Do you feel like that's a viable platform going forward for business owners that want to start a podcast? Um, Or would you have done things differently? I don't don't know. I'm experimenting. I mean, I'm I'm only live, you know, a little under 10 episodes right now. So I'm experimenting Mm -hmm. with it. I have no problem with Anchor. I think the analytics are good. I am always open to testing. And for me, it's one of those things where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. It works well for me. I'm able to distribute my podcast. It's been a clean platform. I am playing around with some other ones with different quality of sound. You know, we're talking about Squadcast here now. I don't think it's hard to transition platforms, but I think if something's rolling for you and you have a good, if you have a good thing going, I mean, listen, I experimented with video. I record the video so I have it. And it turned out that from a view standpoint or a download standpoint, less than 5% of total engagement on my podcast was coming from video. So I decided a few episodes back to say, you know what? I'm going to record the video, but I'm not going to put in the time or money to produce it. And that's enabled me to scale where I could record more episodes in a day. So I'm yeah. putting less time towards the production and focusing on the sound. That's something that has been huge for me. I've done podcasting even before this podcast where I've tried to do video and add other things and be on every single social media platform. And the one thing that I notice is that you can technically do all that, but in order to actually commit to doing a podcast long term, 
you have to make sure that it is pretty low barrier, low friction for yourself from the get-go. If I just decide I'm going to go all in, I'm going to do like a 99% invisible type podcast where every single week it's this massive story yeah. that takes so much research and it's got all these different elements. If I'm going to do that, it better be my full-time job. And get paid for it. <laughs> and get paid for it. And, it. and I also need to make sure that it's pretty low friction for me to do it. Because if not, I know that I might be able to get through five episodes, but I'm definitely not going to get to six. I'm not going to get to 10. No, I'm going to stop. You know, Mark, Mark Betry is somebody that you, I know if you're familiar with Mark, you yeah. point out podcast. Yeah. I connected with him way back and by way back, I mean, January. Um, <laughs> and we had a fantastic conversation, which is now turned into a friendship. I mean, literally we text each other with good stuff, bad stuff, nonsense, BS, professional yeah. stuff. It's so funny because he's like half my age and he's been mentoring me in podcasts <laughs> and giving me tips and techniques at all. And he said something really important to me. He said two things. He goes, one, try to make it to 50, push yourself. But at any moment that you are not having fun with it or it feels like work, stop doing it. And there's a balance there because there's, there is work that goes in, gets involved to it. But for me, for that sure. work has turned into some to kind of a, a fun piece of self-expression. I do a decent amount of prep for each episode. I want to make sure that I do my research on my guests, that I know their background, that I'm hitting on their passion points, but that I'm also scripting it a little bit where I have a nice intro and I have a nice you know closing thoughts as well. And mm -hmm. I, I'm finding a lot of joy in writing my scripts because I, I like to write. And I used to write a lot when I was younger and I kind of moved away from it. But I like writing it and it's turned into something we talked about earlier. It's a passion and the podcast is a canvas of my professional and personal expression. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now because the podcast, I mean, you're doing the podcast now, so it's all connected. But now you've, you've moved on from a bunch of different roles and you're less on the marketing side now, which you were in the past and now more on the recruiting side. So you said you were a power connector. Now you're the founder of NHP Talent Group. You're the managing director. I'm sure that you have a lot on your plate. Yeah. That. So let's let's talk about it a little bit. Like, how did you find out that connecting people was your passion? Yeah, absolutely. And I knew that before I pivoted into recruiting. It's funny when Gary said to me, "Double down on your strengths," and I looked down inside, and I've always been a connector. I've always, before I pivoted into recruiting, it was about even doing biz dev on the, on the professional side, you know, finding those opportunities, utilizing my network. And that's why recruiting was a logical progression for me. Now, the thing was, Blake, when I pivoted into recruiting at 35 years old, I was starting a new career from day one, like a rookie. Yeah. I had to learn a brand new piece of business. I mean, I knew the basics and I knew the gist of it because I've worked with recruiters my whole career, but I had to learn the art and science and I picked it up real quick. And I think I picked it up real quick and excelled because I started this career having 15 years of professional experience behind me. Well, let's stop there for just a sec, because I'm sure that there are other people that either have done a similar thing or they have not been brave enough to take that leap. So for the person out there that is 30, 35 years old, that feels like they're in the wrong spot, what advice would you give to them? You only live one life and you shouldn't be stuck doing something that you don't feel is right in your gut. Now, there are times when we, depending on our socioeconomic status or, or where we are in life, that there's certain times when we have to do jobs that we don't want to do because we have to put food on the table. But when you have a choice, and even then, if you're not happy with what you're doing, you live once, screw that, right? Like try to find something that you're passionate about, but something that, that you could deliver on. Now, I'm not saying like, oh my God, I've been, I've been driving this bus for 20 years and now I want to be an astronaut. We're not talking about extreme career pivots. We're talking about logical pivots where you could parlay your skills and experience into that next move. 
And I think that's really the critical part because if you're not, then you're not setting yourself up for success. Now you hear those one-off fantasy stories about somebody who was doing X, Y, and Z for a number of years. And all of a sudden at age 40, they want to become a doctor and they went to medical school. I'm not talking about that. It has to be realistic and it has to be actionable, but you also have to be prepared to take a hit for the short term. I went from making a very decent, you know, six figure salary working in advertising and marketing to going into recruiting where the first couple of years I was making a third of what I was making. I live in Long Island. It's expensive. Highest taxes in the country. Two kids, house, mortgage, all that kind of stuff. And I dipped hard into my savings. I basically depleted it, but I took a gamble on myself knowing that this is what I was going to be good at. Now, fast forward four years, I've never been in a better financial place. I've never made more money. I have a successful business. I have a couple of employees working for me. And it's just about betting on yourself, man. Betting on your strengths. Bet on you. There are kind of two ways of doing this. Going, You can do a side hustle while you're still fully employed, or you could just drop it all, take the gamble. Which which camp do you fall in more? Oof, yeah, I mean, I, I went I went all in. I, I put my chips all in. For me, it wasn't a side hustle. Now, the thing about recruiting is, without getting too technical into it, there are side hustle pieces in recruiting. If you know what you're doing and you associate yourself with the right people. I mean, I do split deals all the time. I mean, I work with people who have other jobs in recruiting that are able to capitalize on their own network. They do it after hours. They do it on the weekends. And they've turned their professional into a, a side hustle as well. And a side hustle also gives you the opportunity to test into something where you're not quitting your day job and you could try something. Side hustles are huge. I fully recommend them. For me, that just wasn't an option. It was, it was an all-in for me. I'm either all-in or nothing. Let's also talk about this. You mentioned you were your passion really is connecting people. You talked a little bit about how you found that out, that you've kind of always known it was there, and that at a certain point you just kind of knew, oh, now is the time that I can actually act upon it and, and do something with it. But for the person that may say, I know that I like a lot of different things, but I don't know if any of it pertains to what I actually could do for a job. Because we mentioned being realistic as well. For Mm -hmm. example, if you want to be a professional snowboarder, but you're 30 years old, maybe don't be a professional snowboarder. Maybe have a snowboard shop. It's connected, connected, but it's feasible. So like maybe sell a snowboard apparel online, open up an e-retail store. Yeah. So, but how, for the person that doesn't even have a clue how they could actually parlay that into a business, what advice would you have for that person? Yeah, it's all about, you know, gauging the feasibility of it. And it's about beta testing into it. And you really need to think about, to your point, the snowboarding is a great analogy. If you're passionate about something, try to do some research and find out where those white spaces are. Like, is there a need for customized snowboards in, in your area? Is there a need for, you know, maybe... If you're into snowboarding, maybe it's like a mobile snowboard tuning where you drive to people's houses or at the mountain and you have a van. Like, think about where those opportunities are. Try not to do the same thing that everyone else is. Otherwise, you're swimming in the same pond with the same fishes. Now, let's talk a little bit about NHP because yes. that's your baby. That's what you're, you're doing right now. It literally <laughs> is my baby. So real quick story on that. NHP, when I was naming my company, I was thinking about all these like extreme recruiting, like, you know, starship, all all these names that could come into a recruiting practice. And I was struggling with it. I really was. And it was hard for me for someone that came from branding and marketing that I couldn't think of a name. And my wife goes to me, she goes, what is your North Star? And this is before my son was born. I said, well, my daughter, Nina, and Nina's initials are NHP, Nina Harrison Posner. And that was it. So that way, every time, you know, I look to my company, every time I tell my story, I know what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it for her. And that was a no brainer. And that was it was magic, man. That's fantastic. Well, let's talk about the actual technical part of this because 
obviously it's not what I do. So I'm a total noob. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I could use a lot of help. And there are a lot of people here <laughs> that have businesses that are trying to hire people, trying to get connected with the right people. So if I'm a business leader, if I'm a CEO and I'm thinking I got to hire the right people, right. Why should I go with an NHP, somebody third party to help me with recruiting instead of trying to handle it in house? Because ultimately I know my business better than anybody else does. So in terms of recruiting, why is that beneficial to outsource that? So clients are paying us a premium for multiple reasons. One, we are an expert in the process. Number one, we understand how to engage candidates. We know how to gain their attention. And we also know how to really truly understand your business. So we're finding you the right candidates for the skills and experience necessary for that role. It also frees up resources on on your end. We We know how to understand the hiring process, the interview process, and we can manage that for you. The second piece that you're compensating us on is our network. We have a vast network. We have the time to develop that network and nurture it. And a good recruiter who specializes in your field, for example, my specialty is digital marketing and media, mm-hmm. specifically in New York. Yes, I recruit nas- nationwide, but my New York network is strong. I know who the players are. I know who the agencies are. I'm following the trends, the news, which agencies are winning business, which agencies are losing business and might be letting people go. There might be an opportunity where good people are getting let go, and I'll know that beforehand. And I'm like, oh, I connected with Mike before. I know... Sue, I know Jane over there. I know them. I'm going to get on top of that and reach out to them before someone else does. And that's what you're paying a third-party recruiter for, to really manage that relationship. But the other real key piece, too, is we're ambassadors for your brand. So you have to make sure when you're hiring a recruiter that they're professional, that they're buttoned up because they are representing Blake.com. And you want us to really represent it the best way and tell your story. You mentioned that you right now you're doing better than you've ever done, right? So I think it's interesting that you say you have a a narrow focus here. You're like digital marketing is your forte. So if you can focus in on that a little bit more in terms of the recruiting, then that's where you're going to have the most success. So that's really poignant because I've had this thought for sure. I know other people have had this thought. They think I want to start my own business someday. I need to try to reach this broad audience or I'm not going to make any money. But ultimately you're saying here, you've got your niche, you've got your little corner carved out and you've never done better. And so I would love to hear your thoughts a little bit more on that and actually accepting the fact that having a small business or a medium-sized business is a perfectly viable, like you don't have to build Facebook. Right. And, th- and that's exactly the point. I, you know, I prefer to be, you know, an inch wide and a mile deep focusing. And listen, even within the digital marketing world, an inch wide and a mile deep, there are subsets within digital marketing. There's people who are just focused on creative. There are people who are just focused on the more tech side, whether it be UI, UX programming within digital marketing. For me, I do cover that entire gamut, that entire range of digital marketing, but my specialty is really around account management and strategy and performance marketing because that's what I did for 15 years. So I'm an expert in that field myself. I could speak to it. I could ask candidates the right questions to really understand if they know what the heck they're talking about and if they would be a good fit for it. And that's why I chose to really focus on that. I'm not going to go into recruiting and start doing legal or medical recruiting. I don't know anything about it. I have to learn in a whole new industry. And I was going back to Gary's point about doubling down on your strengths. And I took that to heart. There are going to be thousands of people out there that have recruiting agencies that are doing exactly that. They're going to take the approach of a mile wide, an inch deep, and they're going to go after medical and legal. And they're not going to know what they're talking about very well on every single one of those points. And so that applies to basically any business. If you're trying to create something that is actually impactful, I think this methodology of an inch wide, a mile deep is so much more effective because it doesn't have to scale to be this humongous thing in order for it to be 
really impactful for a lot of people. Of course. And I, and I think about my business as well. And, and I'll be hitting my two-year point in August. And right now I have three employees at a, at a two-year mark, which is incredible for me. It's far above, above my curve. You know, I'm looking to expand and take on more clients. I'm looking to scale myself. Sure. You know, I'm very, very, very hands-on right now. And that's cool because I really do love, I do love recruiting. I love being in the trenches. But now I'm really loving being a business owner. And I see this being a real profitable and scalable business. So now I'm looking to take the next step and I'm looking to focus on biz dev and growth, still work in the trenches with certain roles and certain clients, but start to, to move up a little bit. But what you're offering is a service, not a product necessarily. So my product is me. I deliver white glove treatment and I think that it really comes down to customer service. And I think that comes down to client management, which again, you know, I did that for 15 years. I mean, that was one of my strong suits was managing client relationships. And that's really what parlayed the success of, of where I am right now. In terms of scaling a services company or, or you know, a, a product in which it's based on the value that people bring as opposed to an e-commerce site, how do you go about doing that the right way? Because it's tough to scale services. 100%. And it comes down to reputation. And, and I found an interesting challenge where I'm putting people into place at companies and they represent me. They represent my business. And I've never had that before. I mean, I've always been personally responsible for my success. And now I'm putting other people out there. And it's the first time as a business owner where I'm like, damn, if that person doesn't perform well, that's a direct reflection on me and my company. And I've had to learn that early on. And I've had to bounce back and do damage control. And I've had to rebuild relationships that have taken... It's so interesting too. And I talk about this all the time. Like, I play the long game. I mean, it's really the the predicated all my success. I, I play the long game and I win daily, you know, office residuals, aka the short game. But it takes a long time to build these type of relationships that build success, but it takes seconds for that to fall apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so true. Well, that that's the same thing. This is an analogy that I've used. So like if you're going to school, you're at university and you get 10 straight semesters, you're all A's. And then you get one F in the 11th semester and all of a sudden you're at a three, eight and then you get another F and all of a sudden you're at a three, six. But if you got straight A's the rest of the way, it'd only go back up to like a three, six, five. And so it's like all the positive things that you can do don't add up to nearly as much as how hard the negative things can impact you. So you have to try to find ways to recoup those losses, but prevent them as much as possible because it is so hard to make up against those, those negative consequences. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you see it out there all the time with like, you know, the, the celebrities and famous people out there that like have great careers or philanthropists, they do everything well. And then they get accused of one scandal. It doesn't even matter if they were convicted or not, but it's like, that's what you remember them by. And it's hard to not be remembered by, by one thing that's happened to you, but that's our society right now. And that's business. Yeah, it's tough. Well, let's flip to a candidate perspective. What advice could you give to somebody that's unemployed right now, looking for a new job to really stand out? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes down to visibility and doing things the right way. I think that you have to, I always say this, the hardest job that you'll ever have is being in the job search, whether you have a job or you're out of work, especially if you're out of work, it's extremely hard. And you have to be disciplined, you have to be focused, and you have to be strategic. And you have to think about doing things differently than what everyone else does. Everyone else is blindly applying to jobs. What you need to do is first and foremost, make sure that you're applying to relevant jobs. Make sure that you're at least qualified for 50% of what you see in a job description. If less than that is probably not the right role and a hiring manager is gonna overlook you. But let's just say that you are qualified for more than 50% of the qualifications. What you wanna do is find who the decision makers are in that company. I'm not talking about the CEO. And I'm not always necessarily talking about the hiring manager or the HR people. What you wanna look for are people in similar roles 
to your job, like say you're a product manager, find another product manager in that company and say, oh, hey, Blake, my name's Adam. I'm, I'm a product manager and I'm looking for similar roles. I see you're at Blake Enterprises. If you have a few minutes, I'd love to connect and just talk shop for a little bit, learn a little bit more about what you do. So what that's going to do is you're going to establish a relationship with somebody already in that company. That person, if you impress them, it'd be a referral for you for that job that you're looking for. Because what will happen is one of two things. One, that company may have a, a referral bonus program where Blake sees it like, oh, Blake, Blake, you get five grand for giving me a placement. Second of all, if Adam comes into interview and the hiring manager goes, does anybody know Adam? Blake could be like, yeah, I spoke to Adam. He's a good dude. I'd like to work with him. That is a different approach. Yep. Oh, I love that. It can be brutal out there when you're trying to find a job and you don't know how to how to do it the right way because you you think about now it's everybody has easy access online. Yep. You, if you look on Glassdoor, Indeed, anywhere where you can apply to these jobs, it'll show you how many people have applied. And it's oh, like yeah. 100, 168 people with similar experience have applied. It's like, how, how do you stand out? And that's why you have to separate yourself. Exactly. For sure. And I think that like pre-connecting, I guess, is what you're talking about is super valuable. And I've done that through LinkedIn has been very effective. I mean, obviously, that's the go-to place for that. But just beyond sending a message, even like... It takes work. Yeah, for sure. And if if you can stand out by maybe making videos, if you can, or having a podcast or something where you provide value, that can also be a great thing to differentiate because most people aren't willing to put in the work to do that. 100%. And that's a really good point as well as content creation. I have a lot of guests on my show who are career coaches, and we talk a lot about thought leadership. And I think thought leadership is key at any stage in your career, whether you're, you could be a thought leader in an entry level position. You could be a thought Mm -hmm. leader at any stage in your career. And I think that it's pretty cool to put out videos on LinkedIn and on, on, on other platforms, but make sure that you're targeting and you're hashtagging people who are in that so you're getting that visibility and exposure. Definitely. I've been through this myself. Like I obviously started out as an entry-level guy and worked my way up to where I am now and still growing a ton and I've got places to go beyond this, but it's really important to find ways to provide value whatever stage you're at. And and like if you're entry-level, maybe you feel like you don't have all the information in the world. You're not going to be as capable of talking about marketing as the CEO of, of an ad agency or something like that. But you can always talk about where you're at and what you're learning and where you're failing and where you're succeeding and being genuine. I, I wouldn't recommend doing content creation if you're going to try to self-aggrandize and no. make yourself seem so much better than you are because people will see right through that. That's authenticity. And I think that's a big thing now. I think with the access to video at people's fingertips, I mean, literally I could hit a button on my phone and broadcast to the world. I think you have to be doing it for the right reasons. I think some people do it for vanity. And listen, we see how that works out. I mean, look, let me look at the Kardashians. You know, I mean, the sheer amount of money they make for being completely talentless is incredible versus people who are adding true value and want to help people. Yeah, definitely. I've got this new segment that I want to try out on you. Yeah, man. It's going to be hopefully a little uncomfortable. We'll see. <laughs> and I urge people, be, be comfortable being uncomfortable, man. Get, get out of your comfort <laughs> yeah. zone. Here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to ask you some slightly deeper questions. Some of them will be easier than others for you, but you only have one sentence to complete your thought. Feel free to take your time. Would love to get one sentence, only one. Uh, so first off, let's start with this. What is one of your non-negotiable values? Sacrificing family. If you could go back five years in time and give yourself a piece of advice, it would be what? Be more aware of my self-awareness. Can you elaborate on that? I'll, I'll give you more than one, se- one sentence. Yeah, so I, 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 th- I think it's about taking a moment to really recognize who you are and try not to be something else. What's the worst advice you could give to an entrepreneur? Put all your eggs in one basket. 
All right, so you're in the business of connecting talented companies with talented people. Um, let's talk a little bit more about what most separates a talented candidate from a mediocre candidate. I think there's two things. I think it's their commitment to the process, their tenacity, and how they tell their own career story. You want to put the best marketable candidate out there. And if someone can't tell their career story to you, they're not going to be able to do it on a job interview. What's your, you know, Tim Ferriss will, will call it your favorite failure. Let's kind of use that. What's your favorite time where something's just really sucked in your life, but it actually ended up becoming a good thing for you? Yeah, I mean, it was my time at Vayner. And, and I think that was a pivotal point in my story, man. If I, if I never aimed to get that job, I crushed my interviews. I got that job and I just effing sucked and things didn't go well when I got in there. And if I didn't fail in there, I wouldn't have learned where my true talents were, where I would be today. That's my favorite failure, 100%. As it stands right now, What's the thing that you most need to work on? I think it's a little bit of, at times when I get frustrated, to not take it out on the people closest to me. I think I'm guilty of that sometimes. And, you know, my friends, my family, I think that there's times when I try to keep it so composed professionally. And listen, we have stresses, we have successes, we have failures, we have things that affect us in our day to day. And I think I need to do a better job of when I walk in the door at home to leave that in the office. And I think that's hard for a lot of people to shut off, to compartmentalize. I know that I absolutely struggle with that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a side hustler. So you were the kind of guy that jumped all in. I'm more like, I'm going to build something slowly on the side. Love it. And I, I think that both ways work. It's yeah, just, 100%. you know, it takes d- different amounts of time. But so, yeah, I definitely can relate to that going home and thinking I still got more to do, but those are all those little tough questions I wanted to ask you. Love it, man. I, I appreciate that. I want to give you a chance here to put out your own billboard. What are you working on? What do you want people to go check out? Yeah, I would love for everybody to check out the podcast. I'm on Anchor. I'm on Spotify. Search for the podcast. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Adam J. Poser on LinkedIn. I'm posting jobs. I'm posting thought leadership. I'm posting fun stuff that, that some people may like or may not like, but all the information is there. I would love if you and really appreciate follow, listen, comment, engage. I can attest to the fact that he's a great follow. I personally follow him. We're connected. Thanks, man. And that's actually how we got connected in the first place for the podcast. So LinkedIn's a huge tool. Adam, I really appreciate you coming on. Do you mind if I ask you some less serious questions really quick? Yeah, of course. You good with that? (laughs) All right. Let me pull up a couple crazy questions here. This is going to be our rapid fire round. I do rapid fire too. I love it. Yeah, put me on the hot seat. All right. So just there's like seven questions, eight questions. Should be pretty easy. Let's do hot potato as fast as you possibly can. So you prefer texting or phone call? Texting. Favorite day of the week? I like Thursday. Thursdays are great. I like Thursday too, actually. Most people say Friday. I like No, I, li- I like Thursdays. Yeah, I agree with that. What's your favorite city in the United States besides any that you've actually lived in? Austin, Texas. What? What? <laughs> I, I could live in Austin, 100%. I love Austin, Texas. Come on over. Yep. <laughs> For those listening, I just moved to Austin, Texas <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. What was the last song you listened to? Pearl Jam, Rear View Mirror. Pearl Jam, nice. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. Interesting. Cool. Very cool. So what, what, yeah, would you, animal, I, you, what animal would you pick if you could only pick one to talk to and understand which one would it be? I'd love to know the mentality of a snake, man. Very, yeah. Like no legs. How do you function? Totally yeah, and, and you're, and you're yeah. a total badass too, right? <laughs> yeah. Fill in the blank. 
Gary Vaynerchuk is? The real deal. And finally, invisibility or super strength? I would take invisibility. Invisibility or power connecting? Oh, power connecting. I would never trade my superpower <laughs> for anything in the world. <laughs> Good answer. All right, Adam Posner, thank you so much. It's called The Pausecast. His name is Adam Posner. Don't get it mixed up. Follow him on LinkedIn. And thank you so much for listening in. And have a great day. Blake, that was awesome. Great podcast. Thanks for having me, man. And now it's time to switch from a B2B mindset to P2P. That is peer-to-peer. I'm going to be interviewing people here at Directive Consulting, my peers, my colleagues, to try to find out what makes them tick, to see where they come from, what their goals are professionally, and give you an idea of what the culture is like here at Directive. It's going to be a really interesting opportunity, and maybe you'll even find people that have your exact same job title, your same position, or your same goals, or maybe they just like the same music as you. Okay, we're live with Max. Max is a PPC specialist here at Directive. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Just had some lunch, so feeling good. Where'd you go? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Okay, let's guess your meal. You got a 12-count nugget meal. I did not. Spicy chicken? Deluxe. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Extra Chick-fil-A sauce. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way. It's like, those are the two options. Nobody just gets the plain Chick-fil-A sandwich anymore. No, there's no point, really. Did you go with anybody else? Uh, Yeah, actually, with Brady and Drew. Nice. Also work here. Yep. Very cool. Uh, so let's start out with your origin story, not starting at your birth, but just like your work origin story. <laughs> so how'd you get started on this career path? And then how did you end up at Directive? Okay. In college, I took like a marketing class at community college and it was like one of the few classes I actually enjoyed. So then when I transferred to Cal State Fullerton, I decided that's what I was going to major in. While I was in college, I was also working at a retail store and I kind of started up their online business and I got to a point where we were doing really well online to the point where we just closed down the actual in-store retail and just went completely online. So I was able to get some digital experience there. And then... uh, It's like the complete opposite of the way it usually goes. Yeah, right? Usually like start, you know, if like on Shark Tank, all the companies start e-commerce. Yeah. And then they get retail after that. So that just shutting down the retail altogether. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. So it was just me and the owner and like one other dude who were pretty much handling everything. And so that was a pretty fun experience. And then I also did an internship at an advertising agency in the food service industry. And I kind of just felt like I was doing busy work there. Like one of the things I was doing was helping their web designer. And he was like, oh, I need you to update all these like H1s and meta titles and all this. And I thought it was like just busy work. And then when I actually started like reading into it and figuring out like the importance of that stuff, I was like, oh, this digital stuff is kind of cool. So I kind of did my own research decided that AdWords was something that I was pretty into, or Google Ads now, formerly known as AdWords. I thought that was uh, was a pretty cool thing, and I saw that there was probably going to continue to be a strong demand for it. So I went ahead and got certified. So then I started looking for jobs who were looking for paid specialists. And that was how long ago? Uh, that was back in, that was last February. Okay. So you, yeah. yeah, you've been with Directive a little bit over a year now. Yes, sir. Very nice. Yeah. Cool. Are you more the type of person like you one day you want to own your own thing or do you like having the structure of a a bigger company to fall under and then get creative within that structure? Yeah, I kind of like the structure here. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'd like to own and do my own thing. I think there's stresses and pressures there that I just okay with not having. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I like being part of the team here for sure. But so what's your favorite part about directive? I would say and probably get this every answer, but the people. Yeah. Has that <laughs> sound about right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was super nervous like when I first started here because everyone just seemed incredibly like smart and busy all the time. And once you get to know them, it's like everyone is super smart and busy, but they're super helpful. And like I've made a lot of really good friends working here, a lot of driven people. And those are the kind of people I like surrounding myself with. So let's fast forward a little bit and talk about. So right now you're a directive. You're in this PBC stuff right now. You're liking it. Mm -hmm. But at the end of your career, what's the perfect scenario for you? Where do you want to be? What is your dream job? What do you want your retirement to look like? So I'm super into music, I like playing guitar a lot. So I guess my dream job would be like head of marketing at Fender. I think that would be pretty cool. That's something that I'm really passionate about. So I feel like I'd be pretty good at it as well. I think that would be a fun fun space to work in. That's awesome. So have you ever worked with like music clients before? Never. No, and not too many music clients in the B2B space. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one to find. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So um, if I were to go around and take a poll of all of your coworkers, the people that know you the best here at Directive, this is not your opinion. This is what they would say. Yeah. What do you think they would say is your spirit animal? I'm not going to lie. I don't even know what my own spirit animal is. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a some sort of bird. And I'm only saying that because I've had a, some pretty intense arguments here with people about, I personally think birds are hilarious and funny, and I would like to possibly own a talking bird as a pet one day. They get a lot of flack around here. Not too many people, a lot of dislike towards birds. So I feel like it's a sarcastic choice for them to assign me the the bird spirit animal, but I feel like that's probably what we're talking a chicken, a turkey. No, no, those those are those are garbage birds. I'm talking like falcon. I, that's what I would like. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I would I would have pegged you for like an otter. I could go with otter. I feel like you're you're funny and you're crafty, so it's like. I can see otter. Okay. I appreciate that. That is much cooler than a bird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, so you don't, you don't have any opinion on what you think it would be? Is it okay if I just steal your otter answer? That's fine. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like otter. I'm, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty loose around the office. Um, there can be stressful days around here. People always grinding. So I try and keep it loose and make people laugh, but also, yeah, do good at my job and be crafty and, well, there are a lot of people that listen that are kind of in the same spots. Like what advice would you give them if, if you're going through something that's really stressful, but mm -hmm. you're the kind of person that tends to want to calm things down, keep it a little lighter. Mm -hmm. What's your advice in those stressful moments to be productive, but also just like lighten the tone? Talk to someone. A lot of times I'll find myself like kind of stressing and kind of hitting a wall. And then I'll talk to either my lead Josh or I'll talk to our director or even whoever's next to me at the time, just kind of get their feel on it and just a second set of eyes. And it could be pretty enlightening just to get someone else's perspective can help you get out of a rut. And we've got some pretty insightful people in the department. So you're usually going to get some pretty good information. 
what's typically not just here at directive, but like in general, what's something that really is good at stressing you out? What hits you every time a certain thing happens? It's like super stressful for you. Looking at the clock. Like I, I just feel like there's so much to do and not enough hours in the day and I'll just be working on something and then I'll look at the time and think just like, oh crap, I need to, I have all this other stuff. I guess just thinking about all the things that I have to do and the limited amount of time I have because I typically like to bite off a lot more than I could chew sometimes and try and tackle more items than I need to. So I guess that can kind of be stressful. Yeah, that's something that like I can relate to that. Yeah. I used to more, be more the kind of person that wanted to just do 100 things all at the same time because yeah. I thought that that would mean that I'd be doing 100% and yeah. I end up doing zero. <laughs> and so I was like, well, if I focused on one thing and did that 100%, so yeah. like ultimately it would only make a 1% impact on my day, mm. but 1% is better than 0%. I'm no mathematician, but that, <laughs> I, that makes sense. I feel like that checks out. <laughs> That's something that I've definitely learned so far, but like here at Directive, it can be a little bit intimidating, a little difficult sometimes and stressful because you're around a lot of high performers. The yeah. people that get hired here, like yourself, like all, like all the people you've referenced here that help you out as well mm-hmm. are high performers. And so that's really cool that you get to work with smart people, but at the same time, it holds you to a new standard and it can be super stressful. So has that been your experience? Like, do you sometimes feel that pressure being at a company that hires well to live up to that standard? I kind of see it as like a blessing to like, I guess just like, oh man, I'm included with these people must be doing something right. And then, yeah, like I was talking about earlier, like just knowing that those resources are there for you our tables constantly bouncing ideas off of each other, talking to each other all the time, getting each other's input. So I think that's more of like a a helpful factor, if anything. All right. How good are you at hot potato? Remind me what hot potato (laughs) is. Hot potato is a game where you have to catch a ball as fast as you can and then throw it as fast as you can right back accurately. I could not tell you the last time I played Hot Potato. Okay, we're going to play Mental Hot Potato here. Okay. This is a segment called Rapid Fire Round. I'm going to ask you a bunch of really quick questions. Okay. As fast as you can spout them out, just go for it. So let's start with this one. Texting or phone call? Phone call. Phone call or email? Phone call. Email or Zoom? Email. (laughs) Favorite day of the week? Friday. Why is that? Just because... It's like wrapping up the work week. You get to look forward. I like to sleep in on Saturday morning, which is great. I'm going to change that. I'm sorry. Sunday. I'm going Sunday. Sunday. (laughs) I'm going Sunday. Despite the Sunday scaries, just I feel like I look forward to Sunday all week because I usually have like a good breakfast on Sunday mornings. And then typically my HBO shows are on on Sunday. Are you a Game of Thrones fan? Absolutely. I've I've never actually watched it. Oh, man. So I'm in the minority there, but... What are your thoughts on season eight? First episode, not too much happened, but it was a good setup episode. You can tell it's going to start hitting the fan pretty soon. Who, who's going to who's going to be left or who's going to die? Like, I don't know anything about this. So OK, so me here so I can just give you fake names and you want to know you the could, difference. You could, yeah, <laughs> I have no clue. OK, I think Cersei is going to outlive most of the other main characters, which is not a popular opinion because everyone hates her, but. The fact that she's so evil and willing to do whatever she needs to do to survive makes me think that she's going to do some pretty terrible stuff this season. 
That's the only opinion I've ever heard on Game of Thrones, so I'll just take that one. All right. I'll adopt that. <laughs> What's your favorite city in the United States besides any that you lived in? San Francisco. Okay, cool. Yeah. What's your favorite city in the world outside of the United States? Let's go France. Paris, sorry. <laughs> I'm not good at rapid fire if you can't tell. <laughs> it's all good. What was the last song you listened to? Or if you prefer, I could try to guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, I'm going to say... Should I give you clues first? Are you, like, like, are you like indie music? I'm an indie classic rock kind of guy. Okay. I say those are my two big genres. Uh, I'll just take a stab at it. Let's say last thing, Vampire Weekend. No. Okay. What what was it? It was uh, Pride and Joy by Steve Ray Vaughan. Oh, okay. That's a classic. That was yeah. a Guitar Hero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big fan of Guitar Hero. Uh, would you rather be able to speak every language in the entire world or speak to animals? Animals. What animal would you be most interested to talk to? My dog, for sure. I feel like he knows me the best out of anyone. I've spent the most time with him. I'd like to get his thoughts. Aren't you scared, though, that if he could really talk, he would actually tell you all the things he doesn't like about you? Yeah, that would kind of be a, a buzzkill. <laughs> I mean, that would that would stink, right? But, I mean, he seems to enjoy my company, you know? So yeah, he can't... But you don't know. Yeah, that's true. He might think he's a prisoner. So, <laughs> yeah. All the languages would be cool, but I, I honestly don't travel that much. So... I don't know how much of that I would utilize. It's more practical for you to yeah. speak to animals. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely more practical. <laughs> would you rather have invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Do you have a favorite Avenger? I'll go Spider-Man. Mine too. Love Spider-Man. Yeah, great guy. Cool. All right. Well, that's that's it for, for right now. Cool. It was a good interview. Uh, thank you for coming in. Ah, thanks for having that. me, man. I'm <laughs> making the two-second walk into the studio. So. <laughs> it was tough, but uh, <laughs> glad I did it. All right, that was Max. Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you later. Please show your support to Adam Posner by following him wherever you consume content, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you may find the most value, please go and find Adam there. He's a great follow. I highly recommend him on LinkedIn. That's how we got connected. He puts out some great content, really valuable insights, really funny too. So I highly recommend following me on LinkedIn or wherever else you consume content. Please support him by doing that. And if you are a company looking for help with recruiting, especially in the digital marketing space, check out NHP Talent Group. They do great work. Adam is solid to work with. So please go ahead and support him. Thank you for listening to Yours in Marketing. I'm Blake Emmel. If you would please do us the favor of subscribing to the podcast if you found value in this and tell your friends, tell other B2B leaders, tell people that need to hear about this. If you have a website, if you are in marketing or out of marketing, if you just want to learn how to build your website, how to build your business online, or if you just want to learn more about interesting people in general in the B2B space, please subscribe to this podcast you definitely will get your money's worth because it's free.